Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Oh man, I, I tell you what, I was not prepared to scream out tonight. And so maybe if some of you can just pray for me, my voice, over the next 23 minutes, I would really appreciate it. Um, but I'm excited to share what God's put on my heart with you tonight. Um, have you had a good week so far? Um, I've had a great week. You, you all are just a sharp bunch of campers, and, and for the most part, you're incredibly polite. I've met some of the most polite teenagers that I've ever met this week at River Valley Ranch, and I've spent a lot of weeks at River Valley Ranch. So give yourselves a round of applause. That's pretty... That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, some of you can be smart, Alex, but for the most part, uh, man, you, you guys are just a, a fun bunch to be around. I know your counselors uh, will echo that sentiment as well. Today I got to hang out with Horsemanship Camp. Where's Horsemanship Camp? Um, we, we had fun, didn't we? Went on a, a trail ride and uh, I met, I, I can't remember all your names, but I got to talk with, uh, I think, Lexi for a little bit, and Katie, got to talk with Katie a little bit, and um, of course, last night after the service, hung out with um, Paula and uh, Clara, thank you, Paula and Clara, and so that was, uh, that was fun, um, but um, and of course, all the Venture Camp guys are hilarious, and we did uh, play volleyball and stuff at the pool today, but I've just been having a great time. Uh, thank you for allowing me, and, and I know some of you have been trying to sign with my girls. Uh, they're in the back somewhere. Martha, is Martha still in here? My wife, no, she, oh, she's, she's back there. So the girls, they're back there somewhere, and they, they, they always have a great time with, with, with you guys. So thank you for loving my family and being hospitable to my family. Um, but let's get back into God's Word. Let's look at Isaiah 61. And I'm going to read just the first two verses tonight. I'm going to try this clicker. The first two nights didn't work out in my favor, but let's, let's pray the odds are in my favor tonight. Let's see how this works. Just click it one time. Is that, is that how it works? There we go. Did, did you do that or did I do that? You did that? All right, well, we're, we'll, see, we'll see how this works. Do I press the arrows or click the button? The arrows? Okay, all right, here we go. Let's pray first. Just pray out loud with me. Dear God, open my eyes so that I can see what you want me to see. And open my heart so that I can feel what you want me to feel. Open my soul so that it can be restored to its original design. Amen. All right, let's read verse 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, last, last night I read a passage in Luke 4. Who is the fulfillment of this passage? Does anyone remember? 
no, Isaiah's the prophet who's prophesying. Who fulfilled this passage? Jesus, that's right. Jesus is the embodiment. He is the, 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 the image, the, the human, the God human who fulfilled this passage. And because he fulfilled it, it can be true for us. Like he can, it can be true for you and for me, even though this was prophesied 2,500 years ago, because Jesus is alive in the same yesterday, today, and forever, this promise, these promises can be true for me and you. The Lord has anointed me, Jesus, to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now, let's hone in on verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Everyone say favor. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. What is the year of the Lord's favor? In the Old Testament, God had chosen a people, Israel, to make his name famous uh, throughout the entire world. It wasn't because Israel was uh, a large nation. In fact, God chose Israel because they were the weakest of every nation, and he wanted his strength to be seen in their weakness, right? Uh, the same is true for you and me today. And it's okay for us to be weak because God's strength is made perfected or is made perfect in our what? In our weakness, okay? So, so back in the day when God was leading Israel to make his name famous in the world, um, uh, they, they didn't do it the way that God wanted them to do it. And, and, the, and that, the, the Babylonian uh, uh, captivity, when they came in and did all of this that the prophet is talking about, when they destroyed Jerusalem, they, they ransacked their towns, they, 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 they took women and children from their homes, and they, they enslaved them. Part of this was due to the fact that Israel made poor choices and did not do things the way that God wanted them to do it. And in fact, they decided to do things their own way, their version of freedom, right? Life without what? Restriction. They decided to do it their way instead of God's way. And not only did they not get to enjoy the unhindered presence of God, but they got to live hundreds of years separated from God. And this is what sin does to you and me. Sin ultimately separates us from the God who created us. Does that sound like favor to you? Does that sound like freedom to you? Does it sound like happiness to you? No, it wasn't happiness to them either. But, but, but God is a gracious God. And, and so what he did, he, he said, listen, you guys are constantly mutinying against me. You're constantly rebelling against me. You're constantly complaining, griping, hurting each other, stealing each other's property, and, 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 but, but I love you, I'm patient, I'm gracious. Here's what I'm going to do. Every 50 years, every 50 years, there's going to be a year of my favor. They called it the year of jubilee or the year of happiness. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice to have a, an entire year of ha happiness? Nod your heads if that would be nice. An entire year. Every 50 years, this is what God proclaimed to Israel. There would be a year 
of the Lord's favor. And three things happened on the year of Jubilee. The first thing is that every debt would be forgiven. Every debt would be forgiven on the year of Jubilee. Now, you guys are teenagers. Um, maybe you haven't acquired a lot of debt yet. Any of you have any debt? I hope not. I, ho- I hope there's not t- too much of you that have a lot of debt. College students in here, have you acquired any debt? Wouldn't it be great if, if I could just proclaim over you right now a year of Jubilee where all your college debt was forgiven? Wouldn't that, can, can I get an amen? Can I, yeah, exactly. Like, So every 50 years, because God is so gracious, he said, listen, I love you and you aren't doing it right, but but here's what I want to do for you. I'm going to forgive every single one of you of all of your debt on the year of Jubilee. Everyone say, that sounds good. Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? Not only that, but people would, uh, they, they would take others and make them slaves. Now, this happened in Britain. It happened in America not too long ago. It happened from the beginning of the world when sin crept into the world. Because once you become a master of yourself, you think you can be the master of who? Somebody else. This is why trying to control ourselves never works. Trying to live a life without restriction never works. Because we always end up hurting ourselves and hurting Someone else. So God says, listen, you guys are hurting other people. You're enslaving other people. You're having people do your dirty work. You're having people work, and you're getting wealthy off of their labor. Every 50 years, here's what what I'm going to do. I'm going to free all those slaves. Every 50 years. Does that sound good? That sounds amazing. And not only that, some people would get in debt, and so these owners would come in, and they would take advantage of people, and they would say, listen, you either give me your wife as a slave, or give me your property. Well, what do you think a lot of these men did? They they gave them their property. They didn't want to give them their wives. Sometimes they would come in and say, listen, you give me your oldest son, or your oldest daughter, or give me all of your children, or give me your property and, and your debt. And, and, and so, so there, there, were, there, there was a small group of people who were uh, getting an incredible amount of property. And every 50 years, God said, you've got to give it all back to its original owner. So three things happened on the year of Jubilee. Every debt was forgiven. Every slave was set free. And every property was returned to its original owner. That that was a gracious act by God to people who didn't deserve it. Are you getting that? Are you you understanding that? These people did not deserve these gracious acts of God. But not only was this a gracious act to, to the nation of Israel, this pointed to the time when people of all races, of all nationalities, of all ethnicities, where where people in Jesus could experience spiritual forgiveness. Because we have a debt, right? Have you sinned? Have you done something wrong? Have you ever done anything wrong? Anything at all? Yeah, yeah, of course, right? It, It doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell us that we've done something wrong. And and let me ask you something. Do you have to teach somebody how to be bad? No. They can do that all all by themselves, right? What do you have to teach someone? You have to teach them how to be what? 
right? Because there's something inherent in our nature because when we broke God's law, we created our own law. And in Jesus, what this prophecy is telling us is that in him and on the cross, ultimately, a gracious act, it was the year of the Lord's what? Favor. We don't, have to wait, we don't have to wait 50 years anymore. We don't have to wait 100 years. I mean, if, I mean th- think about it. If you messed up on year one of 50 years, you're in bad shape, right? Now, if you messed up on year 49 of 50 years, that's not too bad. But if you messed up on year one, man, you're, you're pro- you might be dead by the time the year of the Lord's favor comes around, right? Well, let's say you go out tonight and you, you screw up horribly. Can your debt be canceled immediately? Yeah. Yeah, of course. In Christ, your debt. We're, we're not talking physical here. We're talking spiritual. In Christ, your debt is immediately canceled. In fact, his blood that was spilled for you was, your, was, was the payment. That's the year of the Lord's favor. So we've talked about a few things. I've got nine minutes left. We've talked about, can God really bring beauty from ashes? And I've talked to several of you. And some of you have said, yes, Aaron, God can do that. Some of you said, I I still want to see it. Some of you said, I don't see it here. And and, and some of what they were talking about was was the fact that there are a lot of Christians here. And and a lot of the Christians here, uh, some of them aren't necessarily showing the beauty that they have received. Did you know that, 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 that one of the, the single greatest causes of atheism today is Christians who claim Christ with their lips, but their lives deny him? The way they treat other people, the way they gossip about people, the, th- the activities they participate in, they, just, they, they, they don't demonstrate the love, the favor of Christ. And so if that's you, wherever you are in that, I just want you to keep thinking, keep reflecting. Counselors here, like you, you counselors, you still love them, right? You still, like, and, and, and we love you. Like, like that, that's not a question. Just keep thinking about it. Just keep thinking about it. The Bible promises us that if you seek God, he will reveal himself to you. So just keep seeking God, okay? Just keep doing that. Last night we asked the question, what is freedom? What is freedom? And, and, and we said freedom's not, not a life without restriction. That's what we think freedom is. That's what we like to believe freedom is, a life free of restriction. But that's actually a life of, of chaos. I mean, think about it. I was talking to a young man after the service, and he asked a great question. He said, you know, like if God had gave him one rule, just, just one rule, he gave Adam and Eve one rule. Uh, how was how that freedom? Well, they, God had to have some restrictions. See, we have, to, we have to stop thinking about freedom as no restrictions. There are, there are rules in freedom. There are restrictions within freedom. That doesn't mean you're any less free. In fact, it makes, it make, it, because there's a restriction, it actually uh, makes the possibility that real freedom exists. 
Because without that one rule that Adam and Eve could choose to obey or not obey, how would God ever know that they really loved him? Now, God's God, right? Would you agree? Like, God is, he's God, he's sovereign, he can do what he wants, right? So if God wanted to, he could make you and me robots. He could just say, love me. He could force every one of us to love him. But would that be love? No. I mean, think, of, think about a relationship that you value. You know, a friend or a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, a mom or dad, a stepmom or stepdad. Think about a relationship that you value. If they forced you to, to love them, would it be a real intimate relationship? No. The only way for them to know that you really love them is to have rules and boundaries in your house. Right? Because when my son takes out the trash without grumbling or complaining or arguing, you know what I know? I know that he loves and respects his mom and dad. Right? Same thing with God. He has restrictions in place because the only way that real love, real relationship could take place was if we had a what? A choice. And you have a choice. Here's a question I want you to consider tonight. Would you like to have more happiness in your life? I think it's somewhere, somewhere down there. Would you like to have more happiness in your life? Just think about that. Would you like to have, you can nod at me if you want. Don't answer yet. Just like, no, yes. Like, would you like to have more happiness in your life? For a moment, I want you to think about what it is about your life that is causing you to wish or, or desire more happiness. What's missing? Uh, almost all of you nodded. You said, yeah, I'd like to have more happiness. Well, if that's true, that means something's missing. What's missing? Oh, don't, don't answer. Just think about it. Just, think, just use those sharp brains. Like, what's, what's missing? You know, there are a lot of things in life that make us happy, right? What makes you happy? Don't answer, just think about it. What makes you happy? Like, re really? You know, one of the things that makes me happy is when people uh, tell me that I've got, done a good job at something. That's one of my love languages. Uh, have you ever heard of the love languages? There's, there, there's, there's five love languages. One of my love languages is words of affirmation. Like, I, I, like, like when, when my wife and I first got married, I'd go to Martha all the time, and I'd say, I'd say babe, I love you. And she'd just look at me and, and smile, and, you know, and at first I just thought she was being cute, because she's cute. And then I'd say it again, hey, Martha, I love you. And she'd just look at me and smile, and I'd say, hey, Martha, I love you. And then I started to get upset. Why do you think I was getting upset? She wasn't saying it back. I'm like, woman, what is wrong with you? I love you. And so I went to her and said, Martha, I, I said, I love you. And she said, I know. And I'm like, Lord, help this marriage. We're just a couple years in. What are we going to do? And uh, she looked at me. She said, hey, do you think you could wash the dishes? I'm like, I just told her that I just like poured out my soul to this woman. And she looks at me and says, can you wash the dishes? Well, what's, what's my wife's love language? Acts of service. 
right? Acts of service. So, so when I serve my wife, she knows that I love her. When, I, when, when, when my wife says to me, I love you, that makes me what? Happy. When I wash the dishes without being asked, you know what that does to Martha? That makes her happy. What makes you happy? We all have love languages. Which, what, what is yours? Is it gifts? How many of you like to receive gifts? Yeah, right? right? That, maybe that makes you happy. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are a lot of things in life that make us happy that aren't bad. It's not a bad thing to want to receive approval. That's not a bad thing. Like, do you want your parents to approve of, of your decisions, of, of, of your friends, of your academic success? Do you want you, do, does, that, does that mean something to you? Sure, it should. Like, we, like it should mean something to, to, to us. Everything that makes us happy isn't bad. Here's the thing, though. Most of the things that make us happy just aren't enough. Because people don't always tell me that I did a good job. People don't always tell me that I look nice today. People don't always tell me that they, they appreciate my wisdom. People don't always wash the dishes when we want them to. People don't always give us gifts or, 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 or give us gifts that we want. Sometimes they give us gifts and then we're like, I don't, I don't want this, right? Those things aren't bad. They're just not enough. You know why they're not enough? Because they can change. Because they can change. You know, uh, when, when, when I was uh, your age, I, I had a completely different style of clothes that I like to wear. Now, I'm not going to show you a picture of it because you'd make fun of me the rest of the week. But I've got a different style of clothes that I like to wear now, right? 20 years ago, I wore a certain style of clothes that made me happy. And that same style doesn't make me happy today. It changes. So, so, so everything that makes you happy, it's not bad. It's just not enough. The question is, do you have the thing? Because I asked you, do you want more happiness? And almost every single one of you said, yeah, I want more happiness. What that tells me is that you haven't yet found the one thing that doesn't change. And his name is Jesus. And he came to proclaim comfort to those who mourn. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this. He, he said, this is how you can be happy, truly happy. He said, blessed or happy are those. It's on the screen. Blessed are those, read it out loud with me. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You see the parallel to Isaiah? Did, did you make that connection? Jesus says, to be happy... You have to learn how to be sad. What? I was looking over this verse in preparation for this week, and I needed some wisdom. Because believe it or not, I know you guys think I'm the Wizard of Oz, but I'm not. I needed some, I needed some real wisdom. So I texted my 12-year-old son. And I said, I said, hey, I said, Elisha, um, I'm thinking about this verse for RVR next week. What do you think Jesus meant when he said, uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
And we, 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 we exchanged a few texts. And then I said, no, like, uh, help me think through this. And he texted me back after about half an hour. And he said, he said, you know, I think maybe it means that God blesses those who have a tender heart. What do you think about that definition? God blesses those who have a tender heart. You know, I really, I think he's onto something. God blesses those who have a tender heart. You know what that means? That means we begin to take, we begin, we, we begin to think seriously about our lives. We begin to think seriously about what makes us happy and what doesn't make us happy. We begin to think seriously about what happens one moment after we die. Have you thought seriously about that? What happens one minute after you die? Have you, have you ever spent any amount of time thinking about that? What happens one moment after you die? Jesus said, happy are those who learn to be sad. But what are we being sad about? It's not necessarily about being physically poor. It's not, a, it's not about being sad about the physical devastation of the city that Babylon ransacked. It's not about necessarily a, a, a mourning, um, uh, a, a, a failing grade in math or English. Those are, those are things to be sad about. But what Jesus is getting at is you've got to look seriously at your life and learn to mourn the brokenness inside. We're all broken. Our world is broken. You've got to learn to identify that pain. Some of us are still in denial. We don't think that, that, that there's anything wrong with the way that we're living. And Jesus said, listen, you, you've, got to, you've got to start mourning. You've got to start grieving. You've got to understand that there's more to life than this life. Did you know that we weren't actually created for this life? Did you know that? We weren't. We were never supposed to experience this. We were never intended to experience this pain, this hurt, this brokenness, this heartache, the divorce, the, 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 the betrayal, the rejections. We were never meant to experience all that. God created you and me as spirit beings. In Genesis, the Bible tells us that when God formed man with his own hands from the dust of the ground, he breathed suke is the word, suke, spirit breath into humanity. He breathed his own spirit life into humanity. You know what happened when Eve took the fruit? You know what died? Did her body die? No, you know what died? Her spirit died. Her spirit was crushed. Her spirit was burned to what? To ashes. And Jesus says, as soon as we learn to mourn the fact that we are dead, then we can receive comfort. See, beauty from ashes isn't just about the fact that God can make good things come from bad things. He can do that. But that's not what beauty from ashes is about. Beauty for ashes is about the fact that God can make dead things come back to life. That's what beauty from ashes is about. And Jesus said, happy are those who mourn the fact that without him they are dead. Now, I, want, I just want to leave that with you tonight. Tomorrow, we're going to unpack all these last three days 
And we're going to really begin to experience beauty from ashes. But tonight, I just want you to reflect. What am I mourning? Am I mourning the fact that, that I lost the thing that I thought was going to make me happy? Or am I mourning the fact that I don't know how to get it back? What am I mourning? How am I mourning? What am I grieving over? Am I broken over the fact that I am helpless and hopeless without an unchanging, constant anchor in my life? Jesus can be that anchor. He wants to be that anchor. But you have to open up your heart to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us your word and for giving us a mode of happiness that doesn't change with our circumstances, that doesn't change with our feelings, that doesn't change when our friends change, that doesn't change when we move uh, locations. I'm thankful that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he can be an anchor for us in this chaotic life. Help us to learn to mourn over the spiritual condition of our world and our own hearts so that we can receive the comfort that only you can give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.